really feel like he's been preparing the ground for what I want to share this this evening. Um, so yeah, uh, this is a, this is called Freedom Weekend. Is that right? Yes. Freedom Weekend. Are you guys expecting freedom? Yes. Sometimes we come to these things and we're like, oh, it's the Freedom Weekend, and we don't have loads of expectation. We kind of think, oh, that's a nice name, and. Uh, we come along and then we go home and we're just the same. But as a team, we're really expecting that the Father is going to do something really precious amongst us. I don't know if you find this, but whenever God's presence is close, whenever he comes and meets with me, uh, it's very difficult to stay the same when God comes. So uh, I just want to encourage us. I want to pray for us actually right at the beginning before I start. And just I want to really encourage you uh, to... To say to the Father, um, whatever you want to do, I'm happy. Like I feel like you know he's such a good Father. He doesn't. He's so patient. He doesn't force himself on anyone, but he does invite us. And uh, he's looking for people who say, yes, okay, whatever it looks like, whatever it means, Father, I just surrender, surrender afresh to you. So. I'm just going to pray for us, and if you want to pray that prayer with me, and then, then please do that. Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart. And Father, we just want to thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you that you are so patient, that so often, God, we're in a rush to get somewhere, and often we don't even know where that place is. <laughs> but you are so patient, and you are not in a rush. And we just thank you, Father, for all that you've got planned for us over the next two days. And uh, we just say yes to you, God. We just say yes to you. We thank you, Father, that your presence is the safest place we could ever be. Actually, surrendering our lives to you is the best decision we could ever make. Because you are so good and you know exactly what we need. And so, Father, I just pray. We just pray together. Would you... Come and do what only you can do. Thank you for your presence here already. Just be doing deep stuff in our hearts, we pray, Father. We want to be different as a result of this evening. Thank you for your presence, God. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I want to I speak to us this evening uh, about God as our Father. And uh, for me, I... I'm on a journey of freedom. Like I think the truth is all of us are on a journey of freedom. When I think about freedom, I think about being all that God's called me to be, nothing holding me back, knowing him as he really is, being alive on the inside. That's the kind of stuff I'm longing for. And I'm on this journey of freedom. And I think actually all believers are going to be on this continual journey of freedom until we get to heaven and then we'll be fully free. How exciting. But in the meantime, we're on this continual journey of freedom, of coming to know God better, of knowing who he says we are, of knowing what it means to be full of the Spirit, of understanding what our gifts are, of coming alive on the inside. And a huge part of my journey of freedom has been going on a journey of understanding that God is my Father. And uh, it's, so, it's so easy, isn't it, for us to know that God is our Father as information. Like if I went around this room, you know, 
do you know that God's your father? Everyone would be like, yeah, God's my father. Woohoo. But there's something very different between knowing as information that God is a father and knowing through revelation from the Holy Spirit that he's a father to you. He's not just a father out there who's distant. It's not a conceptual thing. He is a father who wants to practically, physically, actually father you. He wants to father you. He wants you to learn what it means to be a son or daughter of his. And he's not just any old father. He's a perfect father. And uh, this has been a huge journey for me. Um, I, I first started on this journey of learning who God is as my father I would say probably near to 15, 20, uh, 15 17 years ago. And uh, I, I'm in a place now, 17 years on, where I'm like, God, I, I love you. I know you're my father, but I hardly know what that means. I feel like there's just so much more revelation for me to get my head around. Yeah. I've, I've seen bits and pieces, and he's amazing. Uh, and I've learned bits and pieces about being a daughter, but I've got so much more to learn. And I think this is, this is a journey we never arrive at the end of, which I think is brilliant, because it means we have to keep leaning in to him. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is that the way God chooses to reveal himself is as father. It's one of the primary ways God loves to reveal himself is as father. And you can see that by looking at Jesus, uh, because Jesus came to reveal the Father. Actually, one of his primary missions through his ministry was to show people what the Father was like, to teach his disciples to be sons in relationship with the Father, to reveal the Father. And on one occasion, he says to his disciples, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Because they're just, they're, they're clueless. I love the disciples. They're clueless and they're just like, Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be fine. And he's like, guys, have I been with you all this long? You still don't get it. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Yes. We're one. He came to reveal the Father, to model relationship with the Father as a son. And, uh, and so if we want to understand what the Father is like, we just need to look at Jesus. I, I love looking at Jesus. Look through, throughout the Gospels, we can learn so much about the Father just by looking at Jesus. Jesus shows us what the Father's like. And uh, so what I want to do as part of this, this evening is to look at some of the things we can learn about the Father by looking at Jesus. Because the truth is, even though we know uh, in our minds that God is a father, often what happens is as we live our lives in relationship with God, what happens is we end up seeing him through filters or lenses that distort who he really is. We know God's a father, but often we, we interact with him and have a relationship with him. And as we look at him, we look through distorted and incorrect filters and lenses. And so even though we know the theory of what God is like as a father, often in our hearts, we're responding in different ways to him. And that's often because uh, men and women in our lives who we would consider to have influence in our lives 
have misrepresented the father to us. So parents, uh, work colleagues or bosses, church leaders, teachers, people have misrepresented the father to us and it causes us to look at the father through these distorted lenses and so we don't actually end up seeing him as he really is. Let me just give you a little illustration to help. Phil and Sarah, can you come up? Just You're going to represent, well, you are a married couple, you're also going to represent a married couple who are very much in love. So, Phil, you can stand here facing your wife, your back to the room, and then Sarah, you're going to stand there. Brilliant, okay. So, uh, let's, let's now have, are, you, are they looking like they're in love or are they looking awkward? Slightly awkward. Okay, um, so let's have Lolly, you're going to represent God, okay, just to make things really awkward. Um, Lolly, come up this end by the microphone. You're going to represent God, okay? And Greg, you're going to represent the son of this lovely couple here. They're your parents for a moment, okay? (laughs) So, so the, the reality is that God made man, male and female, man and woman, in his own image, right? And so if we want to understand the fullness of what God is like, his intention was that we'd be able to look at men and women and see a glimpse of what the Father's like. Men and women together represent a, 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 a vague reflection of what God is like, right? And so the plan originally was that we would be able to look at our mums and dads, teachers, um, church leaders, people in, in authority who we respect and admire. We, wish, we should be able to look at them and have a a dim reflection of God who is beyond them, okay? Because they reflect, they reflect something of the nature of God, right? And so the, God's plan was you can see a reflection of the Father through your mum and dad, through church leaders, through bosses, and you can see a reflection of the Father. Now, the problem is that we are living in a world of sin and brokenness. So you can turn your backs on each other. Don't like each other anymore, okay? So... There's, there's brokenness, okay? There's sin, there's corruption, there's, there's darkness, there's pain. And so, stop, stop doing things. Move away from each other, you two. I can't stop being in love. Okay, um, so what happens is, instead of seeing an accurate reflection of the Father, what happens is, we look at mums and dads, co-workers, bosses, and actually, the Father is often misrepresented to us. And so the opinion, the view we get of the Father is distorted. And we end up seeing the Father through distorted and broken lenses. Does this make sense? So thanks, guys. You sit down. So what we need to do, if we want to go on a journey of going deeper in revelation of who the Father really is, we've got to go on a journey of, first of all, recognizing the wrong filters that we're seeing the Father through. Where's our thinking wrong? Ask in the Holy Spirit, who misrepresented the Father to me in that way? Who taught me that's what the Father was like? (coughs) Forgiving the people who've misrepresented the Father to us. Forgiving them. And then asking the Father, what's the truth about you? So we've got to recognize wrong filters and how we're seeing the Father wrong. Ask him, who taught me that? Where did I learn that wrong filter? Forgive that person who's misrepresented the Father and then ask the Father, Father, what's the truth about who you are? And that process helps us to go deeper in this journey of knowing the Father more accurately. 
And a bit later, I'm going to give you a tool that you can work through to go on this journey. And you can do this yourselves. You can help other people through this process. But first of all, I want to just quickly look at some wrong filters that we might be seeing the father through. So I think we've got stuff on the screen. Is that right? Yes. Thanks, Lolly. And I'm just going to talk through some of these. And I think just to be, be open to the Holy Spirit showing you what's in your heart. Okay, it's going to look overwhelming altogether there, but don't read ahead. That's like a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? But <coughs> try not to read ahead. So you guys ready? Okay. The first, uh, first wrong filter that we can see the Father through. Some people think the Father is conditionally loving, whereas the truth is he loves us unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. A couple of examples when we look at Jesus. Uh, first example would be that he, when he picked Zacchaeus to go to Zacchaeus's house for food. I mean, he just picked out of the crowd this one guy who was corrupt and broken and a mess. And Jesus went, went, took a beeline to Zacchaeus to choose him. Unconditional love. And also, he loved to eat with sinners, which the religious people hated. Unconditionally loving. And you know, I know people whose parents or authority figures in their lives have only given affirmation based on their performance or achievement. So some people I know, and this would have been some of my experience, they receive affirmation and are well done when they've performed and done well. They are, they're giving affirmation based on their performance, their behavior, rather than just knowing that they're loved and valued because they're loved and valued, because they're people, they're a person who's loved just because. And if this has been your experience, it can lead you to, be, lead you to believe the lie that you're only loved when you do well or succeed. Your, your, people's love for you is based on what you do and your performance. And if you then project that onto the Father, you're going to believe that he's only pleased with you when you're performing well, when you're doing a great job, when, you're, when you feel like you're doing great as a Christian, you'll think, he's pleased with me. But the moment you mess up, or you struggle, or you feel like a mess, you will end up thinking the Father withdraws his love. Because the lie is, his love is, con his, his love is conditional, whereas the truth is, God's love for us is nothing to do with us, or what we do or don't do. It's all because of his incredible love towards us, because of him. He loves us because he is love. And so we've got to go on a journey of getting our heads around the truth. He loves us unconditionally. When you feel like a mess, when you feel like you're doing great, when you've sinned, when you feel like you're doing great, he loves us the same. We need help to get that because we really often don't believe that. Uh, next one. Some people think God is harsh and critical, but he is kind and gentle and understanding. And I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. There were so many beautiful stories you could pick out about Jesus with this one. But the woman with the issue of blood shouldn't have been in the crowd. She had been rejected for 12 years she was ostracized. She was out of community. She shouldn't have been there. There was no relationship connection for her. She was isolated and on her own. And actually, if people had seen that she was in the crowd, they would not have been happy. And so when Jesus stops and says, who touched me? I think 
she would have been afraid. What is going to happen? Is he going to be angry with me? What's he going to say to me? What's everyone else going to think? And he still waits to ask, who touched me? And I love it because his waiting for her to reveal herself, she's not just healed, but she's completely restored into community. Because all of a sudden, everyone sees she's now clean. I love it. And he says to her, daughter. He says to her, daughter. Such an intimate term for this lady who has been isolated and rejected for years. Jesus says, daughter. You know, the father is so kind and so gentle. He's not harsh with us. He's not critical towards us. If you're anything like me, the harshness and the criticism comes from your own voice. Anyone else harsh and critical with themselves? The father is not like that. He is gentle and kind. And I think some of us tonight, we need to experience his gentleness and kindness. He's so kind. Next one, some people think God is controlling, but he is incredibly releasing and empowering. Think about the disciples. They were sent on mission, in my opinion, way too early. I would not have sent them on mission. They had no idea what they were doing. I certainly would have gone with them. Jesus sent them on ahead of him. He's so releasing and empowering. He trusts, he trusts us. He's not afraid of mistakes. If you think about the guy, the, the Gadarene demoniac, who was set free from all these demons, and then he says to Jesus, I want to come with you. And Jesus says, no, no, go back to your town and tell them all about me. <laughs> he releases him as an evangelist the next moment. I don't know about you, I would have put him through a training school. He needed some training, surely. But Jesus is so releasing. He's so, the Father is so releasing and empowering. And um, let me give you an example of this from my own life. And I remember thinking in that moment, I think I'm seeing the Father and situations through a very distorted lens. And so I spent some time with God trying to deal with this wrong filter. And this is, this is how I did it. And this is just one way of getting rid of the wrong thinking and getting the truth into your mind and your heart. And you guys might find other ways to do this, but this is a way that really helped me. So what I did was I asked the Holy Spirit, where's this fear of getting stuff wrong come from? And he reminded me of this memory around the table with my dad when I knocked the water over. So then I spent some time. I knew I needed to forgive my dad for misrepresenting the father. But the Bible says when you forgive, you have to forgive from the heart. So it's not just a mental decision. You have to forgive from the heart. And so what I did was I took some time. I pictured my dad in front of me. I was in my bedroom, just on my own with, with God. I pictured my dad in front of me, and I just told him everything I needed to say about that particular situation that I'd never been able to say as a little girl. And I just got honest with him, with God. And I just said, Dad, when you did that, that made me really scared. I, I thought I'd made a huge mistake. All I'd done was knocked over my water. I thought I'd messed up my whole life. You got so angry. And I, I kind of got all the pain of that situation that kind of got squashed in me as a little girl out in a very safe place. I was with God, I was picturing my dad, and I told him everything I needed to say. This is how it impacted my life. This is all the fear I've had to live with, and got all this stuff out. And then when I'd expressed everything in my heart, that's when I forgave him. 
because I want to, you've got to forgive from your heart. And another tool I use that I find helpful is when I'm forgiving is to picture myself on the ed of, edge of a lake and the lake represents God's mercy and grace and there's a boat and the boat is attached to, be my, to, attached to me by a rope and the rope represents unforgiveness. And so I pictured, my, I pictured myself putting my dad in the boat and cutting the rope as an act of forgiveness and pushing him out into the sea of God's mercy and grace. And then he was God's, God's to deal with. It's over to you, God, to deal with him. But I'm forgiving him. I'm not going to be tied by this anymore. And then the last part of the process to, is to receive the truth. And so I pictured myself back in the memory and I said, Jesus, where were you? Because Jesus is always with us. He represents the Father. So I said, Jesus, where were you? And I just watched, I saw this memory very vaguely in my head. I'm not seeing loads of colour, just in my imagination. I'm sitting at the table and Jesus is sitting opposite me. And I leant over and I knocked over the water. And immediately this fear started to rise up in me. But then in the picture, Jesus on purpose, intentionally, knocked his own water over and smiled. And I tell you, it's completely transformed that memory. When I think of that time now, I think of Jesus showing me that he covers my mistakes. He, co he covered my shame. He made it a joke. For me, in that situation, the memory's completely changed. Where there used to be fear, it now feels very light. Because Jesus showed me what the Father's like. He's a Father who covers my shame. He covers my mistakes. He covers my mess. That's what the Father's like. You guys doing okay? Mm. Okay. A few more, and then we'll turn to each other and, and answer a question. Some people think God is unforgiving, whereas the truth is he's totally forgiving. Woman caught in adultery, love that story. Love it. People were ready to stone her. Jesus said, only, though, only, if, you're, only if you're without sin can you throw a stone. By his own standard, he could have thrown a stone, but he didn't. He forgave her. Love it. And if you've experienced parents or authority figures holding grudges or rejecting you when you've messed up, you are going to feel shame about that and feel like it was not okay for you to mess up. And if we feel shame, there's a few different things we end up doing. Either we try much harder because we're going to make up for the shame we feel, or we hide, we withdraw because we don't feel worthy, and we live our lives in these different spaces. If we haven't experienced the fact that God is a forgiving Father, He freely forgives us for everything. For everything. He forgives us freely. There's so much beautiful grace for us. Some people think God is cold and distant and void of emotion, whereas the truth is he's warm and affectionate and full of compassion. And you can see that with Jesus at Lazarus's tomb. I love the story of Jesus at Lazarus's tomb. And the reason is this. Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. This is amazing to me. Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He could have rocked up and thought and said to everyone, stop weeping, Mary, Martha, it's going to be fine. I'm about to do a miracle. Get ready, everybody. Woohoo! He could have done that. 
But he doesn't. The Bible says he wept. It's, it's staggering to me. Jesus wept with Mary and Martha. I find that amazing. What that shows us about the Father is that he could say the same to us. Guys, don't panic. It's not the end of the story yet. There's a resurrection coming. Everything's going to be okay. But he doesn't do that. He weeps. He weeps with those who weep. That's what the Father's like. He's so kind. He's so <coughs> full of compassion and affection towards us. And he wants, he wants to comfort us. Some of us have never experienced comfort. Often it's our mums who give us comfort. Some of us have never experienced our mums comforting us. Or we've shut our hearts off from our mums so we haven't allowed ourselves to receive comfort. We've got to go on a journey of learning to let the Father comfort us. What does that look like for you? Often we're so busy comforting ourselves with other things. Netflix, food, busyness, church planting. <laughs> serving, work, money. What We're so busy trying to numb ourselves to death. Whereas the Father says, come to me, let me comfort you. We've got to learn how to let him do that. I'm still learning. Some people think God is indifferent towards us, that other people are more important, whereas the truth is God is attentive towards us and fiercely protective. The woman with the alabaster jar, love it. Love this story. She shouldn't have been there. She was not invited to the table, but she had her eyes fixed on Jesus and she pushed through fear of rejection and shame to, to break that jar at Jesus' feet and to give him everything. And she did receive rejection. The people there were like, what a waste of money. Does Jesus know who this is? If he knew, he wouldn't let her do that. She experienced rejection. She was shamed. But Jesus said to them, leave her alone. I love that. <laughs> leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing for me. And wherever the gospel is preached, we're going to talk about her. He's fiercely protective fiercely protective of us some of you need to know the father saying over you leave them alone you've experienced situations that have been unjust you've experienced rejection shame the father wants to say over, over you my heart is to say leave them alone she's my daughter he's my son he's fiercely protective some people think God is disappointed with us whereas he's full of grace for our weaknesses, calls us and restores us. I love the recommissioning of Peter. Peter messed up big time. Must have thought he'd lost the calling on his life to build the church. And yet Jesus comes to him after he raises again from the dead, asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time cancelling out the rejection that he had made of Jesus. It's amazing. And we've got to understand that we, we serve and love a father who is totally happy with mess. When we mess up, it's not over for us. He loves to redeem and restore, reinstate us. He's still called us. He's totally fine with mess. That's the kind of father we serve. He's not disappointed. He's full of grace for our weaknesses. And lastly... Some people think God is stingy and withholds good things, but he is generous and he loves to give abundantly. 
And again, I love the feeling of the 5,000. The fact that all these people were filled and then there were 12 baskets of leftovers. What a waste. Have you, have, you ever, have you ever read that and thought, what a waste of food? Surely, doesn't Jesus just give enough? Just, just enough. That's the miracle, isn't it? When it's just enough, you're like, wow, he's provided just enough. Twelve baskets of leftover food. Why? Well, I think he's wanting to teach them that the Father is lavish and abundant and generous. No other reason than that. Just wanted the disciples to learn. The Father is really generous. He's really lavish. I just want to encourage you to turn to the person next to you and just answer what particularly has stood out from this list here. You might feel like you've got all of them. You can say bingo if you like. <laughs> but what particularly, is there, a, is there one that particularly stands out to you that the Holy Spirit is highlighting that he wants to speak to you about? Just have a quick chat with the people around you. Okay, I'm going to gather us back together, if that's okay, because I want to have a chunk of time for us to pray, because I really believe the Father wants to come and meet with us and just begin to change our thinking. Um, and I, I just want to quickly talk through the process again, and I will give Phil and Sarah this written down so that they can email it, is that okay? Because then you can take this away and use it in your own times with Jesus and you can help other people go through this process as well. As I've already said, there's always deeper levels of freedom. So you don't do this once and you're like, woohoo, I'm sorted. This is like, there's always deeper because the Father's so kind. There's always more freedom for us. So just to remind you of the process, uh, if you realize that you've got a wrong filter about the Father over your heart, you're seeing him wrongly, you often tell by maybe ways you respond or thoughts that you have or how you interpret different things. You'll realize, I think I'm seeing the Father wrongly. First of all, ask the Holy Spirit, where did this wrong thinking come from? And he will often give you a memory of the first person who misrepresented the Father to you in that way. And that will be the person you need to forgive. Okay? Second part of the process is picturing that person in front of you and telling them what you need to say to them to get the pain of that memory out of your system. To express to them, when you did that, or when you didn't do that, and I needed you to do that, this is how it's affected me. This is how it's made me feel. And sometimes people struggle with this part of the process because they think it's not honoring. Particularly with our parents, we can end up thinking, we're meant to honor our parents, this is not honoring. In my experience, Doing this process in a safe place with the Father has actually made it much easier for me to honour my parents when I see them. I would say my relationship with my parents is loads better now than it ever has been because I've done this process and forgiven. So forgiveness actually helps us to honour better. So we've got to practice this part of the journey. Sometimes there'll be emotion. Sometimes you might want to journal what you're feeling. Maybe it's easier for you to write stuff down. But it's just about somehow getting the pain of that memory out of your heart. Expressing it somehow so that the pain gets out because then you're able to forgive from the heart, not just from the head. 
Third part of the process is to forgive. And you can picture the boat if you want to. I find it helpful. Uh, sometimes if you put the person in the boat and cut the rope and push them out into the sea of God's mercy, and then you wish for a storm to come because you want that boat to capsize, or you want to be suddenly become a Viking and shoot a firing arrow into the boat to set it on fire. That's happened to me, guys. I've pushed the person out and I'm like, God, send a storm. And then I've realised I probably haven't forgiven them. It's, it's a really good telltale. Can you push them out and actually bless them? Can you pray blessing over them? If you really want that boat to tip up, you have to pull them back. Because usually it means there's more pain that you haven't, you haven't expressed what you really need to express. Because you want to be able to push them out and bless them. And the last part of the process is asking Jesus, where were you? What do you want to say? What's the truth? It's just a way of getting the truth in. What's the truth? And uh, just to give you one more story, we'll, we'll pray just now. But I remember praying for a girl. And her pain was that she always felt overlooked. She never felt very valued. And uh, we, we asked the Holy Spirit, where did this come from? And she remembered, she had a memory of when she was a, a child in a school play. And she was never the main part. And she wanted to be the main part. But the teacher put her in the choir. And she had to stand in the back just singing with this group. And so she pictured the teacher in front of her and processed the pain. She forgave the teacher. And then my favourite bit is when they asked, where's Jesus? And you can always tell when someone sees Jesus in the memory. Because they usually end up smiling and crying. So I said, Jesus, can you show this precious girl where you were? And then she starts to cry and said, can you see Jesus? She said, yes. I said, where is he? Anyway, she had seen Jesus standing next to her on the, on the bed she was standing on in the choir, singing really loudly so that everyone looked at her. It was so precious. All of a sudden, the father had shown her he's always seen her. He wants people to see her. He's not overlooking her. He's really close. It was a beautiful moment where the father just flipped that memory and showed her what he's like. So we would take some time to pray. And um, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on for you. And I don't need to know because the father is very, very good. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what he wants to do. And uh, why don't we stand together and see what he wants to do. Thank you, father.